Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Amazon has a lot of tools now where we have a storefront. We have all the same products there. We have all the same, you know, try to mimic basically what we do on our own website there. But you don't have a lot of ability to know the customer at all. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show Brendan Kennedy. He is the founder and CEO of Next Stop. They make sustainable travel leisure apparel designed for commuting to work, traveling the world, and everywhere in between. Welcome to the show today. Great to be here. Pumped to talk about Next Stop. Oh, dude, I am pumped that I uh, read and pronounced travel leisure on the fly correctly <laughs> the first time. That's good. Well, we, we trademarked that. That's one of our little secrets of IP that, like the plane logo, that's also our main thing. We were able to sneak in and get registration for So that's... Uh... You'll see more of it. That's all there is to say. Awesome. All right. So for for the unaware, um, I kind of gave a little bit of uh, of, uh, of it away of like what the products are. But can you just dive in a little bit deeper for people and like just lay it out? Like these are the types of products that we're bringing to market. Very very simply, our mantra is pack less, do more. The idea is to make the most versatile travel wear in the world and do it all sustainably made in terms of the packaging, the production, and of course the actual product itself. So, you know, if you're thinking about where you're going, you don't have to bring as many things. You can wear it multiple situations, dress it up, dress it down, and it just makes your suitcase lighter. That's rad. So, take me back in time. Uh, how does one, you know, come up with uh, of an idea to, to, you know, build a new kind of type of clothing item for travel like this? Yeah. So, I spent my career working, at least starting my career after college as a consultant. So I was doing the out Monday, back Thursday lifestyle. I spent two years straight flying JFK LAX every single week, accumulating you know, just close to about 500,000 miles in that time period. And it occurred to me, I was like, you know, I'm only bringing a carry-on. Every single time I go to the airport, I want it to be a straightforward outfit that I can wear. It's going to be super comfortable. And when I get to where I'm going, I'm going to hop off the plane, get in the car and go straight straight away to work or to wherever I need to go without being able to change. So, you know, you're, you're beating up the clothes, you're wearing them on the plane, which itself I think is pretty degrading. And I just thought there's an easier way to do this. There should be apparel and there should be a lifestyle around this kind of constant travel and, you know, jet setting, if you will. So that's where the idea started. It took me several years though. You know, 2015 is when the idea first started. Uh, we launched with very simple products with the plane logo, but it took several years for sustainability to become a core focus. And I took a lot of time to develop the product that way. Absolutely. So what would you say was uh, kind of like time between like the idea to like where uh, the brand ended up and it was like mature and this like, this is the actual business model? Uh, it was until 2020. Very interestingly, the travel leisure idea I mentioned before we submitted in 2019 was for that mark, this idea of the sustainable high performance apparel. We were getting ready to launch our travel leisure collection right as COVID happened. So March 2020, we were doing the photo shoot for all of the travel leisure apparel. 
And then the next day, basically, they shut down travel across the world, which was pretty much the most impactful thing you could think of. And what ended up happening, and I think unique to us, was that because it was so disastrous, we were one of the first brands to take this idea of travel leisure and apply it to reusable face masks. I was out for a run one day, and it was like a lightning bolt struck me in my head of, if face masks are here, travel is going to be ultra impacted we better have one that's going to be really good that people can wear. And lo and behold, April 3rd, we launched with a bamboo travel leisure face mask and we absolutely crushed it. We, you know, in this time where nobody had them, we absolutely went bananas uh, with the sales on the DTC site. Amazon came to us and brought us into the Prime program. And basically, at a time when they wouldn't let any other brands launch, they moved everything out of the way and brought us in. Uh, we launched in the USA on May 5th. We launched in Canada in June. And then we subsequently launched in Mexico and the UK in the same year. At the same time, uh, we also won Delta Airlines, Avis Budget Group, um, NASA, a whole bunch of things that basically took this one product that we didn't even think we were going to do and suddenly it became this entry point to explode the business. Absolutely. And so, you know, getting that product into people's hands and, you know, just basically pivoting and, you know, capturing that moment and and making that, you know, would you say that that pretty much saved the business? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I'd actually left my full-time job in January, 2020 to go full-time in the next stop. So (laughs) it was a very real sense of pivot. It wasn't uh you know, for illusion or for sense of saying we were making a pivot. It was literally if we didn't do something, not just the business, but me personally, it was going to be in, in, you know, a lot of trouble. So the interesting piece was that it just happened to be this mask. And, and lo and behold, I mean, we really do have the best one on the market in terms of travel. It continues to be important uh, for that. And, you know, again, masks were not what we were planning to do and are not our core business. The travel apparel, which now I'm sure we'll talk about soon, we've launched and is going really well, is our focus. But it's, you know, it was a... And this, by the way, we didn't have any money at the time. So when I ordered these masks and we went into this state, I had no money in the bank. And we basically put an order in for 100,000 units with no money and figured it out on the fly to bring these things to market. Also, when they weren't allowing people to import them (laughs) yet. So it was uh, much more than just a pivot. I think it was a a little bit of a a gamble, right? Well, a gamble Hail Mary, maybe. Hail Hail Mary, (laughs) but directed, you know, like we have pretty good certainty that this is going to work if we can manage to get it to physically happen. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of brands in uh, quite a few verticals, you know, during the pandemic, they did a little pivot wiggle as well. And, you know, everyone was kind of launching masks, right? And something that I've seen, and I don't know if this is, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth and say this is what happened with Next Stop, but um, were the consumers that were buying the masks um, weren't really the ideal customer at the end of the day. Uh, did you guys face a similar situation as you started to expand the product line and go back towards the original vision? Yeah, it's a mixed bag. I think the one thing that's helped is that the masks are still really tied to travel. So you have travelers who must have them, and that's helped mm-hmm. us cross-sell for sure. I mean, especially because we have a deep product set now in bamboo where we have bamboo shirts, which are just the most 
the softest, most breathable shirt ever. And if people wore the masks and they're like, oh, well, the shirts are just as good. Awesome. But it has what we notice is the customer segments have been much older. So the people who are really concerned about the masks the most during the pandemic, you're talking about maybe 55 plus, 50 plus, whereas our core demographic normally would be, you know, 1835, right? So it's been interesting is we've had this huge customer list of people and for the masks it's been great. And we definitely have been able to cross sell some, but the ideal customer of the world traveler of the digital nomad to some degree of, of the more adventurous travel spirit is not is definitely not all of the people who came in from the mass and i'd say it was you know not perfectly ideal i would like it to be more but we'll see yeah absolutely just got to be smart about the segmentation uh with that customer data moving yep. forward and, and uh letting the data speak for itself basically yep 100 percent so you're launching in a pandemic, right? And your flagship product that you put out during the pandemic isn't really your product. So how do you guys start to write the ship per se and start to introduce your actual product line and start to acquire new customers You know, to what you, you were actually trying to do? I think the one good part was that we learned from the masks because we were so hyper-focused on the fabric using bamboo. Nobody else did that. We introduced another one later that was this Nike dry fit type material called cool ice. And we started to notice the customers wanted very particular attributes in the fabric that were important for the travel. And I see people in the airports wearing the masks all the time. And I like to walk up to them and say, hey, hey, how did you find us? What do you like? And they're like, wow, they're the absolute most breathable thing ever. Or I just love how soft and comfortable they are. Or they're super odor resistant. And what we noticed is we started to amass a list of needs that the customers for the travel really thought about. And then as we were thinking about the apparel products, we actually moved way more, I think, into the tech side of development than originally I'd been thinking for the, the travel leisure piece. And the idea that, hey, if I'm going to wear this pant, I want it to be the only pant I'm going to need on my trip. Well, why? What is it going to do? Okay, well, I can't wash my pants usually when I'm traveling. So it's got to stand up for multiple days in a row. Okay. I also want it to be odor resistant, stain resistant, because I can't, again, I'm, what am I going to do with it? Since I'm only going to have one pan and pants could be heavier, how do we make it really light? How do I make it mobile? And so I could stretch and move it, but it's not going to look like a pan I'd wear to the gym. So we started to focus on what we'd heard from customers about some of these attributes about like versatile. What does versatile mean? And they started to tell us. And then we mm -hmm. designed these, these next pieces to make that happen. And what we've come to launch now and what we're still trying to refine, I think, is how you bring these use cases to light and show these things that make it ultra compelling. Right now, to give a really concrete example, our women's jet travel skinny pant is like the best example of this. It's the first product, I think, where we took all of this feedback and we said, here is this pant that you could wear it to the office. You could wear it on a date. You could wear it on the plane. It's got five pockets. It's kind of like a hybrid between a legging, but it's a little thicker, so it doesn't feel too revealing. And it has an odor-resistant finish. It's made out of all sustainable materials. And this thing is crazy. We're selling out of them, and it's like we can't get them fast enough because we showed women why this is super useful for travel, but also the other things that wrap around travel. And 
that came from the original learnings of the, I think the mask, but we still have to build it out more. No, absolutely. And you're, you're doing that customer research. You're asking them why, uh, you know, what is beneficial about the product in your own words to them. And they can, they'll kind of parrot it back to you and they'll say things in ways that you wouldn't have thought of yeah. and like you wouldn't have thought was important. Um, you know, so that's an amazing tool and a tactic for anyone listening to take away is like ask your customers what they think yep. about your product. Yep. Take all those learnings back to iterate and iterate and make the best product you can. Yeah, exactly. I, w- I wish we could do more. I mean, we try. It's been really, really awful to put it mildly. <laughs> I'd like to use some more colorful language, but I'm not sure that's allowed on your podcast about what Facebook is doing in particular. All the limitations on the data are absolutely crushing brands' ability to see into what customers want and to learn. You know, a lot of the times we've been learning is you put out ad creative and you see what people respond to and you go, oh, we'll use wording that talks about breathability. And it talks about odor resistance and that works, but breathability and wrinkle resistance doesn't work. You can't see that as clearly now because of what is happening. And even gathering the data on our own site from things like surveys is really tough. So I would love to spend my day and have my customer success person spend our day where people are like, hey, I really wish you guys would do this thing. And I think on social we're trying to put stuff out there where people will tell us more, but we have a pretty small social presence still. So I think it's, we're just we're a little limited. And I think that mm-hmm. always listening to the customer is a number one thing, but it's getting more difficult to do that in certain ways where I think we took it for granted. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E L E C T R I C E Y E.io. Mesa is the all in one answer for automating the everyday challenges of running a Shopify store. With automation, you can focus on the bigger picture, knowing that everything is still getting done reliably and efficiently. Join successful brands like Mudwater, Chubbies, and Golden that learned how to use clever workflows to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need order details in Google Sheets, products added in Etsy, or customer information updated in your CRM, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Browse pre-made templates for Shopify's most popular apps to get your first automation up and running in minutes. Search for Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. 
Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the B Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the B Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where B Profit comes in. B Profit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. B Profit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the B Profit Profit Tracker. Visit bprofit.co today to start your seven day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H O N E S T 15, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. With your products, and you mentioned earlier that you uh, launched as well in Amazon as well on your own direct consumers uh, site. Um, so I always like to ask a question for brands that are kind of doing a more like omni-channel approach or however you want to call it. Yep. Um, you know, in your own words, like what are the pros and cons of having your own website, be it on Shopify versus yep. you know being in a marketplace like Amazon? Yeah, well, Amazon's a pain in the ass. That's what the <laughs> that's what the drawback is. Is they they don't care at all. Oh, you got a problem? Don't care. Oh, you're you're where they do crazy stuff where our masks are. You know, oh, we're going to categorize it as an, a pesticidal agent. Well, what the hell? Why? Oh, well, and you can't get anybody on customer service. And they, you know, for us, if you think about this, right, is in the beginning of the pandemic, we were selling twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars a day sometimes as a mask on Amazon. And if they take that product suddenly and deactivate it for God knows what reason, what do you do? And you're you're beholden to them because you they don't care. On the positive side. You get so much brand awareness. I mean, we it yeah. single-handedly changed the trajectory of what we were doing in that time. You know, we were selling in the beginning of the pandemic, 
with the mask. Again, to just give a, a real concrete example, $25,000 a day on the site in like the really peak periods, but that came down a little bit. Amazon, we launched and it was like $50,000, $75,000 a day. We did one thing, did $250,000 a day on there. And it's wild. And then when I talk to people, most of the people I see wearing our stuff, our clothes, our masks, I say, hey, where did you guys find us? On Amazon. Why? Because they go and Google things and you still show up in the, in the results for Amazon or people are on Amazon anyway looking around. So the brand awareness piece is enormous uh, for Amazon. I think the, the difference is, and, and Amazon has a lot of tools now where we have a storefront. We have all the same products there. We have all the same, you know, try to mimic basically what we do on our own website there. But you don't have a lot of ability to know the customer at all. You don't, you can email some people now if they follow your brand, but you really can't communicate with them. You don't know exactly, you know, Johnny bought these five things three months ago and he bought these new things. They basically aggregate the data and anonymize it and give you some metrics. But it's, you know, people come in and buy one or two things. Average order value there is way smaller on Shopify. You know, average order of value for us is getting up towards a hundred bucks. We want to exceed that, but we know exactly how who our best customers are. We have a loyalty program that we can drive them back to us for. We can do email outreach and all sorts of specials. So I think like if if you imagine a pyramid, right? You for I think for us it's actually working more that Amazon to some degree is the top of the pyramid. They find us and then maybe they come and they see us in other places. And eventually we want them like living in the middle, which is, you know, maybe coming to our D2C. And then at the bottom of the pyramid, which we've seen happen once recently, is a customer found us on Amazon and now wants to do wholesale with us. So it's like there's just no bigger marketplace you could be, but the margins are are really much rougher. I mean, Amazon's taking most of your money and it's I think it would you could operate on Amazon way easier if you do a more gimmicky product. I think for apparel, I think it would be very hard to do just apparel on Amazon without any other awareness and things going to to help you. Absolutely. And you're talking about like the velocity that you guys were doing on Amazon when you launched the product was doing that, you know, that type of business allowing you guys to hit certain economies of scales where you were saving money and getting better deals across kind of the supply chain? Mm, yeah. I mean, that definitely allowed us to order order bigger quantities with better price breaks. I think, uh, interestingly, you have other problems though. And this again goes back to the, the reason Amazon doesn't care is they have inventory limits. And even with certain products, we would start to sell so much and then they go, oh, you can't send us more inventory. And we're like, well, what the hell? Why not? Not, well, we don't care. Too bad. So then you're in this case where you got to be kind of like, you know, pushing them to do stuff. But for your own store, again, that's why having the Shopify presence is great because as it's growing there, then you also have better pricing and things you can do. And then on your own site, you're able to, you know, either run special promotions or do things that um, just make it, make it more beneficial even if in the Amazon thing you can't. Absolutely. Kind of leaning in more to the own site kind of side of things and, and the tactics that you guys are approaching there. You already mentioned yeah. that you uh limitations of Facebook and and you know post iOS 14, you know, it's frustrating. Um but what are some of the other kind of avenues or, or channels that you guys are 
use utilizing for growth on like that owned website, that Shopify experience. Yeah, I mean, socials is one we're really trying to heavily invest in, especially more in TikTok and in whitelisted uh, ads with different creators. I think that's the one where we've historically had a lot, you know, more to do, and we're we're finally putting it to it. The affiliate program was was quite large for us, uh, and you know, continuing to want to push that. I think it's a great way to to build very passively, um, but we also have an active agency that's. You know, not just allowing all bloggers to come in, but really trying to almost do a hybrid between PR and, you know, uh, traditional, maybe like low effort affiliate. So to get you placements in things like a People or New York Magazine or GQ or whatnot, and then they're driving traffic and, you know, it's like a credible source to backlink to you and drive up your domain authority. So. I think for us, it's been build our domain authority is is the, the key base of the pyramid thing there. It's like for someone that is, you know, technologically dumb, I'll pretend to be. Yeah. What does domain authority mean and why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's like how credible does your site look in Google? You know, if Google is evaluating your site and it's like, hey, who's next stop? Why should I care? The higher the domain authority means the more links from lots of credible people that you have. And when you're starting off as, you know, so Nike probably has demand authority of like 90, it's done out of 100. You know, most people are going to be way at the lower that that group. And you're trying to figure out how you can have as many links to reputable sources, be it through, you know, bloggers or PR, you know, websites or partner sites that is going to help you drive that up. So when people go in and they search anything related to your brand, you're going to show up more. And so this sounds like a kind of like a SEO play. Yeah, a hundred percent. So for us, the SEO side has been, uh, and it's a long tail thing. It's not like you do something and it immediately changes it overnight, but all together over time, we've been really steadily trying to push this because if you think about it, if people go to Google. And they're searching for something, especially like if they go to Google and they're like best men's travel jacket. They're already in market trying to find you and they're doing it for free. So if they're searching for your thing on Google and they're clicking on your organic rank, you're getting that for free. And it's how do you how do you have everybody do that? Whereas, you know, social you know, we got to go pay for the creator to get made, then pay for people to put it out and then pay to market it more. So it's just way less effective in terms of efficiency. But also, you know, the most important thing to get visibility for people who don't know your brand yet enough to go and search it organically. Absolutely. I literally saw this thing today, uh, a tweet by a gentleman, and I don't want to get the name wrong. So I'm just going to kind of quote him here, but he basically said that like the best investment you can make as a direct consumer brand is like five to $10,000 a month as a straight SEO play. Um, and then I'll even, and, and what he meant by that, an SEO play is like, once you build your Shopify store, it's basically SEO optimized. What, what it comes down to after that is content and backlinks. That's yep. it. That's yep. all SEO is. Yep. Yep. I would agree. I mean, I think there's, a lot of optimization you can try to do on the products themselves. And we can sit, we constantly do that. We have yeah. a guy who's like a wizard at this and he sits around all day long and just thinks about, Oh, what are the rankings now? And how can we do more things? But, but that's on the content side. It's not like a technical thing. It's like, once it's built, it's fine. 
Yeah, exactly. But to your point, the content and the backlinks and then taking all those important keywords and generating them and making sure they're all pointing back to you is basically it. And I would agree. I think, you know, five to 10,000 a month is what you should spend. Um, and just consistently over time. And yeah, you already said it earlier. It's like, it's not overnight, you know, yeah. you, and I, I believe you even said it's like, if you can do make that investment for, for, uh, you know, just start the investment. He's like within a couple of years, that's going to result in millions of dollars a year in organic sales. Yeah. So we're I talking agree. about a hundred thousand dollar investment a year, netting you millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And to be fair, I was, at least from what I've observed is I think you could do it for cheaper than that. I mean, we don't pay $5,000 a month and we do it. I used to, we used to spend, $5,000 a month was an agency, which was totally a waste of time. I mean, I could go on about agencies and there's a couple that are particularly terrible that it <laughs> would advise people to stay away from. But the thing is, is agencies are lazy. Why are agencies lazy? Because they don't give a shit. They've got tons of people who are doing this thing and they're trying to get economies of scales themselves. So they're doing the baseline minimum things of, hey, you've got your Shopify store and your products have product tags and H1 titles and whatever. Okay. And we'll get you some backlinks. Cool. But there's a lot more that goes on underneath the surface of how you optimize those things correctly. Which ones are you choosing? Who are the who are the domains you're trying to get? And making sure that all of the content that's made itself is truly created correctly. So we spent you know between five and ten thousand dollars for six months and saw increases. But then when we switch to somebody who really knew what he was doing, we pay half the price now and it's 10 times as good. We're on the first page for almost all the things that we're doing now in terms of like the key travel apparel. And, you know, it's just way more managed the way it needs to be. So it's a consistent thing, but there's also, I would say, especially for SEO, there's like an art to it as well, you know, that some people are just... I think going with somebody smaller who's really specialized might actually benefit you better than some big agency who's just going to kind of go through the motions. Yeah, I mean, I would I would kind of push back on the agency thing. Obviously, I run an agency, but I will say this: there are agencies out there that kind of ruin things for everybody. And but you hit the you hit the nail on the head right there at the end. It's like go with someone that's done it before. They have a proven track yeah. record doing the thing you the exact thing you want to do. Yeah. Um, don't go with a generalist. That's usually going to be kind of a bad a bad experience. Yeah. So this. This this is a perfect thing. So I should have amended my thing to say we went with big agencies, right? Yeah. I was I was I think tricked. I don't want to say tricked. That's that's not. Correct. I was I believed at the time mm -hmm. it was safer to go with a big agency who had tons of reputable names and who, you know, basically, oh hey, they're working with all these people. That means like I'm gonna get like a the team of people and the scope of what they can do is gonna be cheaper. It's gonna be faster. And it just, it kind of went the opposite because I, we're not big enough that they would really care that much. And I think that now we still work with agencies, but we work with smaller ones that are hyper-focused, I think, on our category and on us. A specific action. Yes. So that, yeah. and that's made a difference, you know, in just those short changes. The, the, the best example I have when people, you know, and we deal with this all the time is people like, I've been burned. And I'm like, cool. Have you ever gone to a restaurant that sucked? And they're like, oh, yeah. all the time. And I'm like, do you, do you not go to restaurants anymore? Yeah. And they're yeah. like, well, it's not the same thing. I was like, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. literally the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So that, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, we worked. And then certain times you also find that some of the agencies, they do certain things better. So like we yeah. went to one and they did a great job with affiliate, right? 
And the other things we realized they weren't so good at, but the affiliate, they were really good. So we were like, all right, we're going to stay with them. And then, you know, other people, oh, email, you know, they're really good at the email side and we can get that. So I think I would recommend for people considering this is know really what you need and then be build a dream team. Yeah, build up, build, go with the person who's really going to have that specialization and the passion. And when you talk to them and they're going to do a demo with your data or they want to show you, you know, what their strategies are, definitely put them to the test. Say, hey, how do you want to do? Uh, if you have my data, I'm going to tell you what we've got. How is it you really run it and see how mm-hmm. into the weeds they get? The guy who does our SEM for us and SEO, he got on the phone with me and in, 20 minutes we opened up analytics and we went through all these things and he's like <laughs> he's like i could do way better than this and I'm, I'm you could go do this now i'll tell you what you need to do but all these things are missing and let me show you how they're missing boom 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 and i was like this guy's hired <laughs> so anyway absolutely well this has been a fantastic interview and, and I, I do enjoy where we got into the weeds in certain places about seos and just dealing with agencies like i always like to hear the other side of that yep. is there anything i forgot to ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience that is a good question i would say i would say maybe just as um i'd love to know maybe from your side with the changes to ios 14 but now with email and other things coming too where do you mm-hmm. see the the, the next kind of major blockades coming for transparency and data and where brands should be trying to get ahead of the curve right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I was actually having a note here. I was going to tell you this after the call, but I'll just tell you right now. Um, I, I like the new technology that's coming out uh, along the lines of first party pixels. There's a couple of uh, products out there on the market uh, that do it, but basically the way that you can all right, I'm saying this wrong, and I'm this I, because I'm not the guy that works at this company. But yeah. uh, basically, my interpretation of what they were telling me was uh, the issue with like you know the the tiff between Apple and, and Google and Facebook and all these people that can't get along nice because they want to make an extra dollar uh, is that you can't share that data because you're profiting off that data uh, and selling that data, right? Yeah. And so what these first party pixels do is they basically just like recreate, you know, your Google Pixel, your Facebook Pixel, whatever on your website, but you own it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you can fully use that information to do whatever you want with because you're not selling it. It's your data that you're using f- from your customers. Um, and so there's some cool products out there um, that you can implement on, especially on the Shopify store, like you can implement on back into your Shopify store and you can actually... Uh, you know, see the overlap between your Google spend and your Facebook spend, yep. or you can literally watch the customer journey of John Doe, who you know saw a Google ad on this day, opened a Clavio email on this day, and made a purchase on this day. Yep. Um, there's some wild stuff going on with these pixels, where it you know takes all the data from all your different channels, you know, Google, Facebook, Clavio, whatever, and gets it all into one place, and then shows you what they say, and then shows mm-hmm. you what the pixel says, mm-hmm. and like you can compare and contrast all that data. I think that's really insightful from a marketing perspective and from like a, a performance perspective of like how to make more informed decisions. Um, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then I just think that uh, something that a lot of brands aren't f- focused on enough is making an extremely fast website. It's like yeah. everything's going mobile. And if you have m- the more apps you have installed on your store, the slower your website is. And it's so funny. We're literally looking at this right now. We're working with a group that has like a specialized theme that's optimized to basically not have any of these apps where they have some built-in functions and to be ultra, ultra fast. I could not agree more. I think that is that is a killer. If your site is slow, 
you are dead in the water. Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do when we're like analyzing brands and like just looking for opportunity is you just jump into the back end of Shopify. And I've said this before a few times. So you go into analytics and then on the right hand side, you scroll down and you go to uh, sessions by device. I'm not looking at the camera because I'm trying to remember how to do this in my head. Yeah. Uh, so, so you go and on the right hand side, you can see sessions by device and then you click view more. I always look in the last 30 days just to get a better sample size. And then you can click on the drop down and do sessions by... So you're in the view of sessions by device and then you click on the drop down and you go to conversion rate. And you can see the difference in conversion rate between mobile and desktop. And yeah. sometimes those numbers are way further apart than you want them to be. They'll all, desktop will always be higher, usually. Yep. Um, but sometimes you'll see like a really big discrepancy there. And then that just calls out that like, hey, there's something going on with your mobile experience. You know, oftentimes it's um, the customer journey doesn't make sense because of just usability of the like how your website's built. Is your website actually built mobile first or is it just responsive? Those are two different answers. Yep. Um, and then you're like, is it fast enough? Because you know, people are using their phone out and about on a 3G tower in a cornfield, you know, like you gotta make sure that your website's snappy. Yeah. So you said sessions by device, view more. I'm I'm gonna do this right now because I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you so you just go to the back end of your analytics view on Shopify. On the right hand side, there's a box, it's like the third box down, like all the way on the right, and it says sessions by device. Oh, by device type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then you click on that and then you can there's like a add add a something or other. It's like on the right corner above the main edit columns, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. edit columns, and then you add conversion right there. So, you know, you'll see a discrepancy, but it's you know, is it a big enough one to be important to look into is, is something there. Interesting. Uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, putting me on the spot there. I had some, no, this is, this is super. If, if I have 10 more seconds, I'd ask you this first party pixel. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations on the Shopify ones to use that would work with that? We are partners with a, uh, a pixel called triple whale. They're based out of here in Columbus, Ohio, where I am as well. Triple but whale. That's not the reason it's like their product works really well. We use that product on every marketing client that we have. Uh, that one's really good. Uh, but to give you one that I know that there's some other solutions out there too. I've heard things about, I've heard that Northbeam is uh, comparable in, in, in kind of with the quality of stuff that it does as well. And then also like I have a discount code for triple whale. Mm -hmm. So if you guys want access to it, if you want, want to bring in or anyone listening, just drop me an email. I'll, I'll give you our discount code. I would be very curious. I'm going to talk to Scott, my head of paid media, because he's, he's like, <laughs> he's like walking near the edge of a cliff every day. Cause he's like, Facebook is just not showing me the data. Dude, <laughs> I'll send like... you right after this and everyone listening. So I did a, I literally did some content with triple whale a few weeks ago. It's on our YouTube channel and it was a bonus episode. Like I don't, when this comes out, it's going to be like 30 episodes back probably. Uh, but it's it's how we and Ryan specifically, our, market, our performance marketing guy, how Ryan uses Triple Whale at an agency and like what we're looking for and why it's cool. So I'll share that with you right after the call. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much. It'd be totally helpful. Yeah, uh, this was a really fun one. We just went totally off the rails at the end, but I, I bet everyone's going to love it. <laughs> I was, you know, it was good. It was fun. As you can tell, this stuff is close to my heart. And especially like when you run a business, it's just like, that's, that's the way it is. But yeah, once you get into the nerdy stuff, it's fun. Yeah. Now we've, now we've, we're, we're rolling. So it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the product and you're very passionate about it. So if you piqued anyone's interest about the product, where do they go? Yeah, so you can obviously we mentioned Amazon, but I prefer you to go to www.thenextstop.com. Next stop, like N X T S T O P.com. Yeah, you can find our stuff there. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show today. Okay, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, 
And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.